Hey, what's going on? I've uh, been laughing for the last 20 minutes, and I've got a feeling I'm going to be laughing for the next hour. You got that right. You got that. everything good on your end? Yeah. How uh, how was the fishing? We talked about ice fishing last week on our podcast. How was the ice fishing trip? All good. All good. Did, didn't catch any walleyes or sturgeon or anything? No. No. Well, that's no fun. I can tell you that my wife's birthday party was as about as enjoyable as I thought it would be. Cards, drinking, and that was the extent of it. Tim, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm all a Twitter to say that we have about... I am too. We have a, a menage a trois with arguably the best trainers in the biz. Let's welcome in John Barba, Dave Holdorf, and Rick Mayo from Takeo. How you guys doing? Oh, aces, baby, aces. <laughs> if this I was is... doing any better, I would be you, John. <laughs> well, yes, you would. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting in my pajama bottoms and my t-shirt. Oh, man, you can't get better than this, huh? Uh, gotta gotta love quarantine, baby. I tell you what, I haven't shaved any part of my body in months. Just so yeah. everybody's is a visual for you. No, no cameras. So the beauty of this podcast is that we can talk to you, you guys. Are from like all over the country. Where, like John, where are you? I'm in uh, Exeter, New Hampshire. And Dave, uh, the Isle of Long down here on Long Island, New York. And we just spoke about this, but Rick is on the west, kind of west coast ish. Yep, getting there anyway. Uh, Mesquite, Nevada nowadays. And speaking of quarantine, you know, we've kind of adjusted protocols with everything since last March. And uh, last March, you know, John, Barbara, and I had kind of discussed uh, an idea of doing a webinar to keep in contact with, you know, our contractor audience. Of course, we all want to be in front of contractors and and have that one on one contact, but. In the interim, you, you just have to deal with it. And so we came up with this idea, Takeo After Dark. I'm not sure where that came. Maybe Tim made up that idea. But uh, Takeo After Dark, <laughs> it's a webinar we, we did every Wednesday. And uh, the three guys on, on the show here, they discussed uh, things that are pertinent to the hydronics and pumping industry. We are excited to announce the new season of Takeo After Dark, which starts February 10th. Is that right, guys? February, February 10th? 10th. Johnny, why don't you t- Johnny Fever. I'm looking at the screen here. Uh, <laughs> why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about what's coming up and, you know, the whole idea behind the Okay, the fellow babies right here on the mighty KRP in Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Take After Dark was kind of, it just kind of popped up. It was one of those, those happy coincidences, a perfect storm. Of of just uh, opportunity met you know a certain disregard for social norms which we all kind of share and uh, we came up with Takeo After Dark and uh, boy oh boy that, that was so much fun to do those first the first season was you know kind of blew us away when we would have three hundred people on at a time at, on a Wednesday night the summer season uh, we we had a nice. Uh, uh, you know, nice fill in. And then we went back into the fall and now we're going to do a winter season and the summer and winter seasons are going to be different. They're going to be going to coming up with specific uh, programs that we ha- really haven't done done before. So our first one's going to be on air and dirt, air and dirt separation essentials, uh, controlling air in a, in a hydronic system is one of the unsung heroes. It's not sexy, like, Ooh, let's put it in an ECM pump and a, mo- a modcon boiler. But if you don't control your air and, and take care of the dirt, 
neither one of those things are going to do you much good. So we're going to spend some time talking about just the the essentials, you know, what different technologies, different things, what, why is a mag dirt separator important, that kind of stuff. And then we're going to go into uh, talking an awful lot about circulators, pump curve essentials, three-speed circulators. Three-speed circulators still have a place in our world, surprisingly enough. Everybody wants to go ECM, ECM, ECM. But if you look at the numbers, you saw more, more three-speed and single-speed pumps are sold than ECMs nationwide. And that's just the way it is. That's the reality. So we're going to discuss that. And then we're going to discuss ECMs. And uh, that's, a, that's a topic near and dear to my heart because... You know, I, I personally have a real issue with the way these things have been sold because they've been promised to be magic and they're not. Understand what they do, what they don't do, and apply them appropriately, and then they could do some really cool stuff for us. We're smart talk- pumps. Yes. I, God, I hate that term. They're not that <laughs> smart, man. They really aren't that freaking. People think, oh, put it in, press a button, and it'll figure out everything itself. You know, I, I, I've done a lot of drugs in my life, but I haven't done that much, you know? <laughs> That's just not uh, no uh, out there. No, I haven't done that much. I, I've been relatively clean most of my life, just so we understand. Yeah. We're going to talk about domestic hot water recirculation and how important that is. And the last one, I'm going to let Dave explain that one because the last one was kind of his baby. Uh, you know, Dave, Rick, and I kind of we kind of put our brains together and split up the six courses. Dave, Dave, and Rick, why don't you talk about the last class because that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. So the last class uh, was going to be. From our experiences out in the field and also mostly mostly our customers out there in the field, the tips and tricks and, and ways that they've made their lives easier in boiler rooms to share with everybody out there. I'm sure everybody has learned some little tip or trick from somebody else over the years and want to make sure that they can also pass that along. So we are going to, uh, one, we're going to poll everybody and try to get, this is going to be more of a user class, meaning the attendees are going to do this class than it is uh, than the three of us. So over the course of the six weeks, we're going to be asking people to input their tips and tricks, and we're going to review them, obviously, and we will choose which ones to put, so to speak, on air. And if yours gets chosen as one of the better ones to use and teach out, and they're probably all going to be great out there, but we only have an hour to talk, you know, we're going to incentivize you too and try to give you some, you know, we're going to give you some of our stuff uh, out of my garage, out of my basement. At the end of the class, we're going to ask everybody to vote on the best one available. It's going to be a lot of fun putting that together uh, because you know I usually talk about those tips and tricks when we do a live class. When we've got people in front of you, I'm holding the part in my hand or we're looking at a boiler room. It's a lot harder on camera, but I still want to be able to get those tips and tricks out to everybody. And we'll be selecting those, we're soliciting those on on social media, Instagram, etc. So. I was going to say, you know, for those that don't listen or haven't been on the on the webinar, the Takeo After Dark webinar, first of all, shame on you. Uh, <laughs> Dave and Rick offer their expertise on, on certain topics, as you mentioned. We made a conscious decision to transfer from Tony Orlando and Don to now we're going to be Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Mm. So we're going to, we're, we, we each, we're going to sing our hits, so to speak. And then what about, you, know, you there, John, you can be young. So we. Yeah, I was just going to ask. Where, where, <laughs> Where's young? Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, that's that's going to be you, Buckaroo. Oh, man, take a look at my life. Or, or, or maybe <laughs> not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Can we change that? Can we change that? Keep it the three. Yeah, well, yeah. Three dog night. It's going to be three dog night. Three <laughs> dog night. <laughs> so that's cool. And, and, and can I'm, I say I'm, something? Can I say something real quick? You know, Rick, yeah. keep it down. Okay. You're, you're hogging the mic there, Rick. <laughs> well, I speak when I'm spoken to, as they say. <laughs> I don't know if people know this, but all three of you worked at Upanor or Wurzbo back in the day. Is that right? 
That is true. And uh, you, did you all cross paths or at different times? Or yeah, uh, that's where I met John Barba uh, as uh, as a trainer. I actually was uh, in the wholesale business and came back bringing contractors, engineers, and such, and got to know John that way. Uh, right when actually, right when he first came on board. What year was that, John? Uh, that was 95, 1995. 95. So we were bringing people back before that, of course. But I remember when they hired John, uh, he he makes the impact that he always does. And, and that relationship kind of grew. Of course, most people have a pretty good relationship with John Barba. But uh, as we continued on, I took a move down uh, from Alaska down to Utah uh, as a regional manager for the company I was working for. And there were some talk of maybe doing something different and maybe working directly for uh, a manufacturer. And so uh, everything came together, all the stars lined up. And the guy that was running uh, Wurzbo back then, a guy named Joe Pauly, actually, I, I had a good relationship with him as well. And uh, there was an opportunity and went to work for him. And that's when John and I actually got to work together. And uh, I've learned a whole lot from that man. How about you, Dave? Uh, so I started, I think it was around 96 with Upanor and met John. So I worked for a sister company of Upanor. So at, at that time, Upanor had owned Wurzbo and uh, another company called RTI, where I came from here in New York, and as well as several other companies that were out there. And we were sister companies, not competing against each other, but we kind of did anyway. You know, Upanor had the idea of, of consolidating. And there were too many brands here in the States and North America. So they wanted to consolidate and bring it all down. And that was the eventual name change to Upanor. But at that point, they decided to close down the uh, RTI division. And I came on board uh, working alongside Rick um, as the field tech. Uh, so Rick and my, you know, Rick was on the West Coast. I took over the Northeast of doing a field tech. Uh, we were traveling and training, job sites, troubleshooting. The nickname that that Rick and I had, and were the jeans and boots guys of the company, you know, and and John doing the training back in Minnesota, we would bring customers back, and and we just had a blast doing those days, and and the early days of Radiant, you know, was was so much fun, so to speak. It was so I you know eye opening for a lot of people, and and uh, we changed the way training occurred out there too, which was a lot of fun, you know, because there really wasn't a lot available and we just really put something together it was i think it was pretty magical back in those days yeah 25 years that's 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 my math right 25 yeah that would be that'd be correct dave i was going to ask you know you talk about you know those 25 years and you know kind of the road show that you guys were doing back then how has that changed over the last 25 years especially in the last 10 months the conversation still happened you know, and, and John talks about this all the time. Have we trained everybody? And the answer is obviously no. And then obviously in 25 years, there's a whole new crew of people coming in. And, and this side of it, being able to do training classes online really makes us be able to reach a broader audience and get to more people because, you know, we were, John and I and Rick, we were analyzing our numbers a couple of weeks ago on who we, how many people we saw in 2000, uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. And and between the five of us trainers, the other two that we have on the commercial side, I think we estimated maybe seven thousand people that we were able to influence and and get to, to to be with. And now going online as we were forced to, we got to see thirty thousand. That I think has been the the real big thing, you know, the big elephant in the room, so to speak. We can reach more people nowadays, and and people trust it. They trust this technology in order to train. There's still nothing like holding a circulator in my hand and 
handing it over to somebody and say, Hey, take a look at this. And this is how we did this and whatnot. So never, that'll never change, but at least we can still do this, which is great. Well, I know I, I was behind the scenes a little bit as John was talking earlier about what was going on in the conversations that the two youths were having, the Johns and Johns, you know, <laughs> putting together the plans for Takeo After Dark. But yeah, I think that the first two sessions that we've had have been highly regarded and, and well-received by everybody that's taken them. Yeah, one of the things I've learned since we started this, it, it, it's, been, it's been twofold. I mean, we've been doing webinars since 2010, 2011, more or less, Reg, you know, regularly scheduled daytime sessions, you know, where we'd uh, it'd be a y'all come kind of thing and we do one a month, et cetera. But uh, when we started doing this, I, I noticed very quickly two things happened. The first is, you know, we learned how to deliver these classes better. So if you if you listen to our very first class and then the most recent one, you'll see a, a, a noted improvement in our ability to to utilize the technology to deliver a, a, an effective message to help people learn. Uh, we got a lot better. You know, we we crawled, then we walked, and 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 now we're kind of skipping and hopping. I don't know if we're running yet, but we'll get there. The the other thing that I've learned it, that that I've noticed is our audience is now openly embracing this way of learning and they're getting better at learning this way. You know, it's, it's a two, it goes both directions. You know, we're getting better at teaching this way and the audience is getting much better at learning this way, you know, asking questions, taking notes, et cetera. It's very hard in a webinar to, to make it active learning. So there's a lot involved in making that happen. I, I, I was just going to say that, you know, if you're in-person learning, a person or a contractor is taking that time out of their schedule to be in your class, focused, and then all of a sudden you're online, how many distractions are at home? Or how, oh, maybe I'll just watch the, you know, YouTube video, whatever. But you're right. I mean, there is a new way of learning here and people are adjusting to it. Well, and I'm sorry, I, did you just say something, John? I was checking yeah. Facebook. What was that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, Wait, I, was I just hashtagging? Yeah, you were <laughs> hashtagging. Did I? <laughs> I? I will say though that I, you know, I threw in the two Utes earlier. You know, the homage to my cousin Vinny because you guys have your three nights every week, and it's a riot to watch uh, what's going on. So it's a fun way to learn. There's no doubt about that. Over the years, we've kind of come up with just different ways of getting the audience to one way. One way to hold their hold their attention is, well, what are these what are these clowns going to do next? You know, what are these guys <laughs> going to do next? It is a good way to hold attention and a good way to build anticipation, but there has to be substance behind that. You know, it can't just be a, a show. And again, that's where Rick and Dave really shine. Because I'll tell you what, uh, I know a lot of people in this business, and these two guys, I, I, there's nobody better. There may be a few as good, but there's nobody better than these two. Shucks. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, the gifts in the mail, John. Uh, I think the other thing with that, too, is the three of us truly enjoy what we do. So, you know, you, you always hear it all the time. You know, if you enjoy what you do, you never spend a day working. Okay. And I think we do enjoy this. We've spent so many years amassing this information and putting it in, behind, you know, between our ears. And I think the joy now is is giving that information back and, and making it a deliverable that they can understand it too. I think that's the best. There's a lot of people that know a lot of stuff that have a lot of information, but to deliver it back and, and have fun doing it at the same time. I, I really do enjoy doing all these online classes and, and having a lot of fun with it. So 
when the family sees me leave the house and, and go up to my office, they're like, okay, got another class tonight. So, mm-hmm. you know, and they know where I'm going and, and going to spend the next hour and a half and have, and just have a blast, just have a blast doing it. John, talk a little bit about Teco's commitment to training, not just in webinar series like Teco After Dark, but at, at your uh, training facility in Providence. Uh, yeah, well, Cranston technically, or but Cranston, yeah. Rhode Island. R- Rhode Island is, I mean, Rhode Island's so small you could carpet the entire state. I think it's not, it's a it's kind of a small place, but and 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 a dollar for anyone who knows where that line came from. It's it's interesting. We have five full time trainers. Uh, the three of us, plus uh, Brett Zerba and Rich Medeiros, who are mm-hmm. primarily commercial trainers in terms of system design, different concepts for commercial applications. And these are two of the smart. You know, Rick and Dave are really, really smart. As are as are Rich and Brett. I mean, they when they when they talk, I kind of nod and go, "Yeah, I get it, I get it." And I have no idea what the hell they're talking about. They're 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 playing they're they're playing 3D chess in Klingon, and I'm playing Candyland when it comes to that kind of stuff. I mean, these guys are. Sharp. I I listen and nod to my wife a lot. So. That's I know, yeah, that's, that's different. And, and and you got the yes, dear down. If you can say, <laughs> if you can say yes, dear, without sounding like a smart aleck, that's I think the key to a happy marriage. I'm still working on it, but anyway, I thought um, that was the idea of saying yes, dear, was just to be a smart aleck behind it. So, see, that's where you—that's why you are where you are. I mean, that's <laughs> that's why you spend a lot of time on the couch, Dave. Um, we 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 heard how you you wake up every morning, Dave. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, we have uh, we were five full time trainers, and uh, you know, the, the, several years ago, I think it's got going on ten years ago now. Johnny White uh, made the decision to add on to our factory made a, you know, it was a, it was a $20 million check that he had to write to build this huge mm-hmm. addition. Now, a lot of it was for badly needed office space and expansion, but he made sure that we also included a state-of-the-art training facility, a training room, a tiered classroom with, uh, you know, all the amenities to make it a comfortable and con- a comfortable experience and environment conducive to learning, which was which, which was remarkable. I mean, uh, you know, working working for Johnny is is a is an honor anyway, and working for Taco is an honor. But this was one of those things where they're making the investment in training. It's time for us to make the investment in, in how we do training. And that led to expanding the staff with Dave and then Rick, as well as, as well as, uh, you know, completing the commercial team with, with Brett and Rich. I don't know of anybody, any other manufacturer in the HVAC industry that has five full-time trainers and that, which is, which is all we do is train. Uh, so that's, that's a commitment to the industry because we, and a commitment and, and, you know, it helps us to learn, you know, we're in the, we're kind of in the knowledge acquisition business. I think, you know, we don't, we don't know it all. I, you know, Dave and Rick are close, but you know, I'm kind of lagging behind. We don't know everything there is to know. And as my old man used to tell me, it's what you learn after you know it all that really counts. So we're trying to learn as much as we can from our customers so we can, you know, we can put it together and then and then share it back with others. So it's it, it's it it's a it's it's a gratifying way to to make a living, but it's also very important, and uh, we understand the importance of it. So, I mean, interestingly, it doesn't matter if you're a large mechanical contractor or a one man shop. I always hear Eric Ani. He always and you lived in Minnesota at for some time. John. Yeah, I had to move east to get away from him. He's, he's like <laughs> always at the front door saying, hang out with me, please. I, I want to be with you so desperately. So what impressed Eric was the fact that, you you know, you live close by John and, and you were able to visit with him. And he always mentioned to me that, like, you know, Taco, this pretty big pump company, took the time to visit, you know, with me and to make sure that I was 
educated and trained and I'm a, I'm a one man shop. So it, it meant a lot to him and it still means a lot to him. And, and that's why he uses your product. So that's good on, good on you and good on Takeo for that. Well, the way I look at it is I grew up in a very small family business. You know, it was my, you know, my dad, my brother, myself, and, you know, and I was an, I was just an apprentice back then, but they had, you know, at most maybe three or three other guys working. So we were a small outfit. So it's hard when you're small outfit, it's, it's hard to compete against bigger guys. So every bit of, every bit of uh, help you can get from wherever is, is greatly appreciated. And I, I, I never forgot that. And I know, you know, both Dave and Rick in their own backgrounds have seen that as well. Hey, you know, we, we mentioned 25 years and, uh, <laughs> recently, how are you guys doing? How are you guys holding up? How's the health? Well, Dave um, is Dave's Dave is getting new parts every day. Uh, well, I was I was gonna I was gonna say Dave has a new hip. Is that right? Dave? That's right. I'm embracing the technology, man. So You're like just, a six <laughs> six million dollar man. It's just about that much now, yes, because it's the second one. So <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> so then, yes, I I am recovering from uh, some, some hip resurfacing. So I was wow. I was diagnosed. Uh, I was 42 with osteoarthritis in my hips. So, a oh, wow. uh, young guy, and and so this this technology of hip resurfacing is not a replacement. So it's just basically a, a new joint is what I have. So I've got all my bones. It's just a new joint thrown in there now. Actually, today is three weeks uh, from the surgery, and I'm actually walking without crutches right now. So, uh, and and pain free, pain free right now. Right so on. did so you have them, did you have them done both at the same time or you alternate them? No, alternated. So the first one was around four years ago. And then this past summer, the second one started to hurt. So I got it looked at and they said, wow, how long have you been in pain? I'm like, uh, you know, just recently. They're like, oh, okay, well, you're bone on bone. So we can do the surgery in January, if you like. And this was meeting wow. in December that I met with them. So it, it happened quickly. So when I hear resurfacing, I, I think of like sandpaper and then uh, Nothing like that going on. Grind, grinder. Uh, yeah, uh, grinder. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of grinding, um, but actually a metal on metal joint. So they cap it and sleeve it. So I have, so they just kind of ground down the stone and the bones there and, and installed some metal in me. So, yeah. And then, John, you had some knee surgery within the last six months or so, uh, right? Yeah, in middle of November. It was, it was, a, it was relatively minor. It was a torn meniscus and stuff. So I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, was, it was not really a big deal. Didn't uh, hurt your golf game at all? Not, nothing can hurt my golf game. It, it, you, <laughs> you, can't, you, you can't hurt something that's dead. Okay. <laughs> and then, Rick, you're, you're doing okay health wise? Yeah. Actually, of uh, COVID, I've actually lost some weight. Oh. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get out at lunchtime and stuff and take walks and get some exercise. And so I've lost a little weight. Uh, I guess as far as surgeries, I'm not sure a ganglion cyst uh, counts as good as these guys, you know. But uh, Ew. I don't all, know what that is. That's wow. about all I've ever uh, had to have operated on, really. So uh, Sounds like a character on Star Trek. What was that again? You know what? Ganglion those are those little they, things. They used to call them Bible knots. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> so um, it's just something from... Actually, I was a plumber and a drummer, and both those guys use their wrist a lot. And I'd have this thing on my wrist that would, you know, kind of grew up and it was kind of sore and stuff. And they dove in and cut that thing open, took it out. But that was probably the most pain I was ever in is when I got out of the surgery because it felt like somebody had run my arm over with a truck. So they have to cut all the way down through the tendons to the joint and take the cyst out. And then they sew you back up and then you go into physical therapy and they start reefing on your your arm. But anyway, 
Yeah, that's about it for surgeries. I'm uh, I'm fairly healthy, but uh, you know I could lose some more weight and grow some more hair. Yeah, it's kind of sad that I have the of of the three of us. I have the most hair on my head. <laughs> you know, and actually, I I I put my whole body hair up against either one of them too. I mean, you know, whoa. I, I, John, 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 John just hasn't committed yet. So one of these days, no. you know, one just, of just, these days, just, we'll, we'll just think there. of an aging Chewbacca and you got it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, when did you commit? When I woke up one day about 2013 and realized I had like three sprigs of hair that I was trying to make look like it was 30,000 sprigs of hair. <laughs> it just didn't work. So I said, Razor, here you go. Well, you look sexy, my friend. You, you really do. Thank you. I wish I had your quaff. You've got a there quite, was dead silence. <laughs> I just don't need another HR incident on my record, so I'm <laughs> another one. <laughs> John, we need to see you again. Uh, <laughs> Sensitivity uh, training all over again. <laughs> so, so, so that would that would have been wrong to say that. Okay, I get it. <laughs> Tim, you were mentioning uh, hobbies. What, what do you guys like to uh, do in your spare time? I know. Uh, John likes to play golf. What about you, Dave and and Rick? What do you guys like to do? I've recently gotten bit by the golf bug, um, oh. and, and, and and COVID did help that a lot because we were home a lot, so not on the road as much as we were. So uh, to go steal a, 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 an hour and a half or so to go chase that little white ball, I, I came to the realization this past summer. I mean, I've I've always dabbled in it and played golf a few times a year, and I did enjoy it. But this year, I realized, oh, you know what? If you play a lot, you'll get better. And I realized it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I, I haven't changed. So you just continue the bad habits, and yeah, I, I know what you mean. Exactly, exactly. exactly. So, um, so that's that's one of those hobbies, and and the other is actually just just hanging at home with the family. So my my kids are growing up way too fast, and my daughter's heading off to college next year. So I've been trying to hold on to that as long as I can. I know you, John, with your kids too. So it goes fast, and you know, everybody always says it, and I can't believe she's, you know, she's a senior right now. My my boy right behind her. So, Rick, how about you? Well, living here in uh, Golfland, I'll probably have to take that up, but we'll see how my lower back does. I've got some issues there that uh, swinging uh, might affect, but you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, otherwise, I like hiking. I like to get exercise by going and climbing hills, not mountains by any means, and definitely not rock climbing, but I do enjoy uh, living up in Utah. There's plenty of places to hike and stuff, so that's that's what I enjoy. I enjoy getting out, looking at new stuff. My wife and I just enjoy that together, and, and when we go on vacation, one of the things we look at doing, we like to go to Hawaii, Mexico, used to like to go to Mexico and stuff, and we would always go on these you know day hikes and, and just explore and that sort of thing. I, I enjoy that. So. Mm-hmm. How long did you live in Alaska? Are you originally from there? Yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't born there, but my mom drug me up there in third grade. I spent thirty-three years up there, and then moved. Wow. Then moved to Utah, and I've been in Utah for right just under twenty, and then moved right down uh, here in Nevada. So uh, I, I consider myself an Alaskan. My my kids, they're all adults, and they're in the business, by the way. And uh, my grandkids are up there. So I, I go up there a couple times a year, COVID or not, mm-hmm. and uh, spend some time with them. Obviously, we've got the Super Bowl coming up this coming Sunday. And I know that Tom Brady is a man crush of Mr. Barba's. Um, how do you well, feel about not that, John? Let's go overboard here with man crush. <laughs> All right. I, I, I wouldn't call it a man crush. I would say that 
Tom Brady has brought me more joy in my life than any other living human being. Um, I don't think that qualifies as a man crush. I just think that's the reality of it all. To see him go to the Super Bowl in someone else's jersey, it is a myriad of mixed emotions, let us just say. Mm-hmm. As much as I, I I pull for the guy and I wish him nothing but success, part of me looks at it like it's it's kind of like seeing that ex-girlfriend you never quite get over, you know, running around town with a younger, better looking version of you. Um it's it's mixed emotions. It's serious mixed emotions, you know. And I've uh, my wife noticed that when I was watching. We were watching the Green Bay Tampa Bay game, and you know when things would go wrong for 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 Tampa, I kind of started to my body language got a little different. She goes, "You don't want them. You don't want them to win, do you?" And I go, "I don't know. I don't know." <laughs> so who are you rooting for then? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find it hard to root for Kansas. I I haven't been able to root for Kansas City in 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 years. I'm, I love old football films, and I and I love old, the old Hank Stram video Hank from Stram. Yep. yeah from from Super Bowl four against Minnesota, and he kept you know sixty five toss power trap sixty five toss power trap. I love that stuff and keep matriculating the ball down the field. But I, I, not long after that, I I, I just no, I'm not a Kansas City fan. I guess unfortunately, and he's at home. He's he's playing at home. He's playing at home, and the fact that that's home now and not. Boston, just uh, I don't want to talk about it. Well, you well, I, we we just talked off uh, off air that Dave is a New York Giants fan. I'm sure that causes some Dave, some I conflict. Dave should I don't, choose I, his next words very very carefully. I, I I typically since I do my my territory for work is is mostly New England. I try not to talk about my sports affiliations when I travel <laughs> north. So. Baseball, football, all that jazz in between. I try not to talk about it too heavily, but yes, being a a giant fan working for a New England company does get difficult some days. Uh, especially when I walk in the building and I'm wearing all my Giants gear, and especially after you know those two Super Bowls, it was just proud. And then I got my ass kicked in the parking lot. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, just as we said earlier, Dave, just remember, I haven't finished your review yet. That's right. That's right, sir. And that meets expectations can turn can turn into a needs improvement very, very quickly. It's <laughs> all right. It was it was a wonderful season. Seventeen and one giant loss. <laughs> so Rick, you know, let's talk about your future with the company. <laughs> John, I've been fortunate enough to be in person at your trainings. And I noticed that you infuse a lot of musical references and, and TV show references, movie references, even in the Takeo after dark, people may or may not know that you were a disc jockey in college. Is that right? I was disc jockey in college and for several years after college. Um, really? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, well, okay. I was, uh, I was, <laughs> I was a, I was a Dr. Johnny fever wannabe and, uh, was never really good enough to become that. But, um, yeah, I, I wanted to be a disc jockey and, and also in, I also wanted to be in the news business. I worked in radio news for quite a while as a writer and then a reporter and news anchor nice. guy. So yeah, I was, I was a radio dude, but again, I, like I said, I hit, I hit the end of my talent. The talent ran out. Before the wanna, the before the talent ran out. Before the want to ran out, and when you don't have talent to back up want to, and then the want to runs out, then you got to find something else to do. And that's when I went back to work. You know, hat in hand, said, "Dad, could can I work for you again?" And yeah. he, he kind of very very begrudging says, "Yes, just don't break anything." And that's that's kind of how we got back into the business. But yeah, was, I, like Rick, Rick is a Rick is an old rocker from way back too, and an old drummer. We uh, 
you know, we, we, we've, we've had some great karaoke moments together. Do you remember? Yes, we, days? yes, we have. Yes, we have. Little Almond Brothers. That's right. Yeah, that's um, right. Little Frank Zappa on occasion. Yep. We did some uh, Frank Zappa. We did some, do you remember my personal favorite duet that you and I did? And I don't know if you remember this was uh Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds. Don't pull your love out on me, baby. Do you remember that night? I'm not sure I remember that night, but uh, you know what goes on with those nights. And sometimes yes, there's memory blocking devices put in there. So. And what happens at Bogart stays at Bogart's. That's the That's other right. Yeah. Well, John, Great when advice. you were a DJ, were, is that when they had 78s? And 79s Whoa. and 80s. What, 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 where are you going with this, Tim? I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoa. Tim. I had to. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I do, I, you know, talking about some of the Almond Brothers and Marshall Tucker, it gets me. Think, oh, yeah. 70s music, love it. Oh, yeah. Actually, oh, yeah. somebody on Facebook just posted, hey, do you remember this? And it was the, you know, the insert for the 45s, that yellow, what do you call that disc, thing? The little disc. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the, the, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what it was called, but yeah, that little 45 thingy. Yeah. Yep. I'm like, who doesn't know that? Except anyone born after what, 19... 19- 85 or something. Yeah, yeah. I remember when uh, I, I had all my, my album collection from, from, from my entire life. It was probably close to 2,000 albums, and I had them in boxes. And if I had them in storage. And when my daughter was really young, she kind of stumbled upon them. And she was looking at them and thought they were really cool. And she said, Dad, are these like old-time CDs? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes, That's- yes, they are, dear. And yes. Oh, man. Yeah. This is the same daughter that when I first introduced her to the Three Stooges, she thought they were hysterical and asked me maybe one of the most, you know, profound questions ever, you know, because it was all in black and white. And she goes, Dad, was the world in black and white back then? And I said, in in many ways, yes, it was. (laughs) This is also the girl. Let me tell me finish this one. This is a this is a troika. This was also the girl that when uh, Nick at night brought back Gilligan's Island and she had never seen Gilligan's Island. She watched the first three or four episodes with me because, you know, you put Gilligan's Island on. I'm a zombie for till, yep. for as long as it's on. She she said, you know, she thought Gilligan, and she called him Giggling because she was really little. She thought Gilligan was funny. By the third episode, she said, Dad, why do they keep giving Giggling all these important jobs? Don't they know he's going to screw them up? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then after the fifth episode, she said, Dad, they're not getting off that damn island, are they? I said, yeah. no, honey, they're not. Well, well John, let me, let me let, let's turn the tables here, John. How did you get in this business? Well, Does anybody good- ever interview you on these podcasts? Let's let's hear from you. Let's put you on the hot seat, Mister Messenbrink. How did you get in this business? Actually, I uh, I worked in Portland, Oregon, at the Oregonian newspaper for a couple of years, and I was uh, dating a girl, and uh, she wanted to move back home, and so we moved back to the Chicago area, and I started working. Uh, part-time. It was a part-time job at a big company, trade press company. It was uh, Connors, if you ever remember that name. Mm-hmm. And I worked on some energy magazines. And after a couple of years, they sold that magazine. And I moved over to some security magazines. You mean like and go I, break into my house security or, you know. Yeah, well, this was, this was more co- corporate and commercial security, like cameras and uh, biometrics and door access and things like that. And ironically, like right after nine 11, I was let go and took a couple weeks off. They gave me a, a severance check. I bought a motorcycle, travel, tra- traveled around the country for a while. And I think it was off like six, six weeks. And then I, I started with a small family owned publishing company that did plumbing and, and heating. And that's kind of when I started 
in this industry and I worked for about 10 years with them. And that's kind of where I met you guys through that company. And then in 2010, I just had this idea of, of taking what I learned and the, the blueprint and the format and just to try to go all digital. And that's, uh, I had talked to Eric and Eric is a very progressive contractor as far as social media, online stuff. And he was like all on board. Mm. He was like, let's do it. Let's do it. And then I'd take that idea and I'd go to my family and I'd say, what do you think of this? There's no way you're quitting your job or leaving your job. You got to sit and bang your head against the wall and you don't understand. I, I really want to do this. And they're like, no. And I just took the leap of faith with Eric in 10 years. That was what? 10 years ago. That's 10 and years then, ago. Yeah. And then about a year after that, Tim came along and just been doing it ever since. So I mean, yeah, 10 years ago, I mean, that was, that was really forward thinking because, you know, 10 years ago, that was an iffy proposition, but now you got in there well ahead of the game. Yeah. yeah. And Tim, how about you? How did you get in this gig? Honestly, I grew up in a plumbing contracting family in central Illinois. My grandfather started a plumbing company in the early fifties. Um, it was around my uncle's small, small plumbing company, five, six trucks. It was not something I wanted to do. Uh, but after college, I Found myself working for a ASPE, American Society of Plumbing Engineer. I was in charge of marketing and their publication at the time. This was the early 2000s, actually where I first met John Mason Brink. Worked there until the mid-2006, and then I got hired by a PR agency in Chicago, and a lot of our clients were HVAC uh, MEP companies, uh, as well as trade shows. Uh, so I got to know John real well at like ASHRAE, HR, and some of the other trade shows, as well as you know, working with him as a as a editor in the trades industry, got to know him pretty well. 2012, Eric and John were like, "Hey, what do you think about jumping on with us?" And my first thought was, "You can't afford me." Um, then my second thought was, "Well, we still can't." Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm married to a wife that has exquisite taste. Uh, no, not that exquisite, Tim. Clearly. <laughs> But you know, it's it's been seven glorious years of buttonheads with those two kooks, and uh, we think we've got a, a a company with Mechanical Hub Media that fits a nice niche in the industry. Um, you know, we've always said we're the voice of the contractor, and we work our partnerships, i.e., with Taco to its fullest to make sure that uh, you know we provide the content and platforms that the contractors want as well as you know creating a relationship with you guys that I we enjoy tremendously. Well I, I hope I don't want to sound like I'm blowing smoke up uh, your skirts guys but uh, I, I I just think what you're doing is wonderful. I think you know you've you you've really hit on a formula that appeals to all 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 aspects of the trade. You know what you guys do on social media. I look forward to Eric's posts on social media cuz mm -hmm. he's got a I'll give Eric a lot of credit. He's not a normal guy. I mean, he's, he's uh, he, and that's his, good. his sense of humor is really sharp and I love it. Uh, he's mm -hmm. in the stuff he posts are so helpful and so informative and thought provoking. And the stuff that you guys do uh, in terms of all of your, of your articles and all of your content is it really fills a, a void in our industry and makes it very accessible and very helpful. And, uh, I, and, and my hat's off to you guys. I really appreciate what you guys do. Thank you. Well, thank Yeah. Thank Indeed. you for that. Yep. Hey, quick story. I just want to interject when I, one of the memories I have with Tim, when he worked as a uh, marketing guy 
for your marketing firm, Tim. Uh, he, he was representing a company, and uh, we were supposed to meet at the company's location. And I went into work before that, and I was wearing kind of a casual outfit, and I kind of got uh, reprimanded for not wearing a suit and tie and you know the whole getup. And so we went over to the, the place, and Tim meets us at the door, and he's like, why are you guys wearing suits and ties? And I was the only one like wearing something casual. So what the event was, was a live burn in the back and the wind, it must've been like 30 <laughs> mile an hour winds. And they were thinking about like just canceling this live burn, but they didn't. And so when the live burn happened, all the ash <laughs> everywhere, just, everywhere. Uh, and all the people who were in suits had like ash and just covered with ash and crap and stuff. And Tim and I just looked at each other and go, yep. Okay. Mm. <laughs> so a quick, quick, all right. How many of us own suits? right now. I don't. I, don't? Still, I still have I plenty of them. I have a yeah. sport coat or a suit jacket, but I don't have a suit per se. Yeah, I have I have two. Tra- another thing, like you go to trade shows, you got to wear the suit and the, you know, these nice shoes and you can't even walk by, you know, two o'clock, you know, when you're walking around a trade show. So I've kind of learned to adapt to wear comfortable clothes, comfortable shoes. Yeah. So the, the suit and especially in this industry is kind of I don't know. Maybe a Uh-oh. dinosaur. Did, I'm, I'm guessing between the two, between Rick and Dave, I'm guessing Rick has a suit and Dave doesn't. Am I right? I, I don't have a suit. I, I like you. I have sport coats. I have some slacks that match, and but it's I don't have the vest. I, and I, I tell you the truth, I don't even know how to tie a tie. You see me in a tie? It's one of those fake ones that's got a zipper tie. Uh, you know. So <laughs> anyway, I've got to tell you that because uh, you know I, I don't care. I'm not embarrassed. I never learned to tie a tie. What are you talking about? I've, I've John, you've seen me with suits on. I mean, and and John and and Tim. What happened first season? You know, just living in ascots. That's right. Yeah. You, and your, you and your ascot. Yeah, that's right. Go. I think that the next time I'm going to be in a suit is when I'm in a box. I think, <laughs> which I hope is many years from now. Yeah, no oh kidding. man, don't don't bring down. Yeah, the, don't go the dark. I'm just not a note like that. <laughs> Isn't that the title oh, of the yeah. of the podcast here? The not dead yet. So yeah, that's right. I'm not dead yet. After yeah. dark. That's kind of why we named it. You know, Tim and I are you know in our fifties now. We're not dead. Come on, come on. We got stuff to offer, right, Tim? That's Bring out exactly your dead. Right. Bring out your dead. Bring out. Your- I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, what can we expect this uh, next series with some of the uh, themes? Well, boy, that's a good one. I'll tell you what, I'll let you in on a little secret that we, we scheduled this from, from backwards. We, we had a, a, an end date in mind, which was March 17th. And I'll leave you guys to fill in the blanks on that one. I know where so, that one's going. So that's the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow right there. Hey. Uh, as far as the uh, rest of the schedule, well, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm wearing my Mayberry Police Department t-shirt right now. So that might make a that might make an appearance. I'm not sure. It's just a, it's going to depend on on on. This will be a group think between the three of us and see if we can come up with some if we can come up come up with some appropriate themes for the winter season. Well, my cousin Vinny was my favorite. That's right. That's right. Remember we we, we were trying. We had a uh, that was a contest. You know what were the for the trivia contest? What were the names of Johnny White's two sons during the cousin <laughs> Vinny thing? And the best answer was the the two Utes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, he did win, didn't he? I mean, he, he was we, part of the winner. Oh yeah, we I think we we included him in with, with amongst the guys that got it right. And I think Dave, when you when you spun the wheel, I think he might have won because that, that was just appropriate. The two Utes. Yeah, probably. It's it's hard to remember now, but yeah, it was uh, that was that was one of the good classes too. So and and a lot of times these themes too is you make it seem like we've planned these out way in advance. It's um, you know maybe the afternoon. Before the class, and John and I are talking to each other. I'm like, all right, what do you think? I'm like, all right, that sounds good. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that and spend a lot of time on Amazon looking for t shirts. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We always end our show asking our guests, when was the last time you said, today is a great day? Rick, when was the last time you said that? Oh, boy, during COVID, um, it's been a while. So I, I, I couldn't nail it down. I, 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 I'd like to say I say it every morning. But I, I can't say that I have. Dave? Uh, actually, today. because and, I, and I'm saying that not just because I'm hanging out with you and I'm sucking up to my boss, Johnny Fever, or anything like that. <laughs> but actually, it was the first day that I was in, in the last three weeks that I'm walking without crutches. That's awesome. So, and, and everything feels good today. So, you know, and I can see, I can see the, the, the change that's going on. So I'm looking forward to, to being pain-free. Mr. Barba? No, well, I haven't said it yet today, but seeing as how this is almost over, I'll probably say it soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, actually, I, I said it, I did say it yesterday. We had, a, we had a, a, a webinar for our manufacturers reps in Canada. And, uh, you know, it went, it went really, really well. And I, at the very end, I said, well, th- thanks. This has been a great day, you know. And, and for me, I just, I love spending time, whether it's virtual or whatever with other human beings, because otherwise I'm here alone with two barking dogs all day until my wife gets home. So any human interaction for me is really helpful right now. Uh, so, so this, this, some things like this do make it a great day for me. So. Well, John, Dave, Rick, thanks so much for joining the show. You guys are doing great, great work in the industry. Training is top notch. If anyone has any, uh, questions or, Wants to check out their website, takeocomfort.com is the website. Thanks so much, guys. We really appreciate your time Ta- today. I, I was going to interject real quick, John. Takeo After Dark, Part 1, Air and Dirt Removal Essentials, February 10th, ne- the next Wednesday, 7 to 8.30 Eastern Time. Or, or whenever it ends, because we've, as we remember, these things have gone on for two, two and a half hours sometimes. Yes, they have. Yeah. BYOB. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and bring plenty to share. <laughs> Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank Thank you. you. You're welcome. Thank you. The Not Dead Yet podcast is powered by Mechanical Up Media and produced by John Masonbrink and Tim Ward. It is edited by John Masonbrink. Music presented by Jason Drum and graphics furnished by Wayne Rowe. Thanks for listening, and until next week...